The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower any creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for the spooky season. Uh, happy to be in Halloween costume. For those of you who are familiar with this show, you're probably saying, oh, great. He's in that only costume he owns. He's doing the Star Trek costume again. Yes, I am a dad now, which means... I only have one Halloween costume that I reuse every year. Get used to it. Also, uh, I just love wearing Star Trek costumes. So that's what I'm dressed up as for Halloween. Katie Zaccardi, what are you dressed up as for Halloween? It's Brittany. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, but I am Britney Spears a la Hit Me Baby One More Time music video. Classic that's Britney. That's what we're working with. Classic Britney, gotta love it, looking sharp. And anytime anybody brings up classic Baby One More Time era Britney, it gives me the opportunity to tell my favorite story about that song and its songwriter, Max Barton. Have I ever told you this story, Katie? No, I don't think so, no. Okay, this is a cool one. Have you ever wondered where the term hit me, baby, comes from? Like, wh why did they use the term hit me in that song? Like, it's not a slang you've ever heard outside of that song, right? Yeah, you're making a good point. Well, I have the answer because that's that stumped a lot of people where people are like, is is like Britney singing about like wanting to get beaten? That seems like a a weird kind of theme for a young girl to be singing about. And yeah. the answer is it's actually a lot more innocuous than that. Max Martin, the acclaimed super hit making songwriter that was the main songwriter and producer for Baby One More Time, has a a tenuous command of the English language. You know, he's Swedish and he was looking for just a cool term to mean like, you know, get in touch with me. And he was familiar with the phrase, hit me up. You know, ah, hit me up. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. he thought that hit me was like the same thing as saying hit me up. And it made its way into the song. And for a long time, I thought that was a myth and that it was just kind of a rumor that got kicked around but then about a couple of years ago, I was actually at an industry party with an executive at Jive Records or was an executive at Jive Records at the time when Baby One More Time came out in 98. And I actually sat down with him. I was like, OK, the Max Martin hit me, hit me up story. Is that true? And he said, absolutely. That is 100 wow. percent how it happened. So there you go. I love that. That's very funny. Nice. Hit me up, baby. One more. It doesn't rain. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. It's <laughs> too many syllables to squeeze in there. Matt, you know, that's that's why Max Martin has all the Grammys and and is the uh, you know top shelf songwriter. And speaking of top shelf songwriters who have all the Grammys, our guest this week is a pretty terrific songwriter in his own right. We're gonna be joined later by Evan Kid Bogart, aka Lil Pumpkin, as he's known as for his current project with Lovecraft, a Halloween-themed songwriting group that has a new album out called Scream Warriors that will absolutely get you into the Halloween season. We're going to talk to him all about that project after the break, so stick around for that. 
But since we're talking about amazing female musicians, Katie, and since you are certainly evoking one with your current outfit, I'd like to talk to you about another one that's on my mind who has an album that came out out of nowhere and just graced, just just brought joy into our life. Taylor Swift has a new album that just came out, Midnight's. Have you heard it yet? I have many a time so far. <laughs> have you? <laughs> I have. I have. Uh, I, I the one the one I'm playing a lot is Bejeweled because I think the video is so cool and I enjoy like yeah. a good Taylor Swift music video and that one is powerful and as much as I enjoy Taylor Swift songs the thing I enjoy equally as much as are the Taylor Swift sweet uh, tweets that come out as the Taylor Swift songs and I don't mean tweets from Taylor I mean tweets from Taylor's fans and just people trying to be one-upping each other in terms of who can come up with the funniest Taylor Swift tweet. And I had a couple that I read. I was just like, these are hilarious. Lauren, can you put up the first one there? See if Katie likes this. Uh, at Colleen G writes, Taylor Swift makes music for people who cried during the AP English exam and still got a five. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that is so true. Right? Wow. Wow. Um, so she, uh, Colleen actually wrote like three or four of these that uh, are worth mentioning. She also wrote Taylor Swift makes music for girls who ask their boyfriend's mom. So what time was he born? <laughs> That's me. I am. that yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one here, and this one's kind of mean is, but there may be some truth to it based on the comments to her tweet. Colleen wrote Taylor Swift makes music for girls who have been in two plus accidents in their Honda Civic. Oh, no. <laughs> and somebody wrote, but, and I was like, that seems, that seems offensive. And then, but commenters wrote as someone who totaled two Honda civics, I find this very offensive. Yeah. Uh, somebody wrote, and also their Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and then I literally got into an accident in my Honda civic in 2012, driving to target to buy the red CD. This oh, is too no. specific. <laughs> wow. Um, that is but, hilarious and spot on. I love it. Yes. Now, the last thing I want to mention about this Taylor Swift release and how much joy it has brought me is that it has allowed me to come up with my new go-to cocktail party music stat. I don't know if you're weird like me, Katie, but I like to have, like, if I'm at a music cocktail party and I want to blow somebody away with a great music stat, they're going to be like, oh my God. The one that I had for the last nine years is... When Beyonce released her self-titled album in 2013 without any prior promotion, it became the best-selling album by a female artist in 2013. It was released in December of that year. So, wow. yeah, that was my, that was like my go-to, like, blow people away stat. And you got a new one? But now I have a new one. Okay, which what I, is it? Somehow is better. Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight, Midnight's, came out on October 21st. Mm-hmm. By October 24th, it was the best-selling album of 2022. Of the whole year? My wow. girl, Taylor! I knew that she broke records. Like, I had heard that I, I think she broke the record for, like, most streamed album in a day or something like that. I believe that's um, right. Or maybe just, no, I don't know if it's most streamed album. It must be most streamed album in a day. But that is bananas. I did <laughs> not know that, and I love to see it. Yeah. What Taylor tracks am I sleeping on on this album that I that I have not given the credit to? Because I, I mentioned Bejeweled, but there's other good yeah. ones too. Okay, I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like my picks 
could be considered the basic ones because I really love Antihero and Karma. And like, both of those are also the two that are kind of going viral on TikTok right now. And I think, per I think it's because those are the best ones. So it's like, of course they're going viral on TikTok because those are the best ones, they're the catchiest. Everyone else is also loving them. So they're like, but then it, the fact that they're on TikTok and I hear it every five seconds makes me be like, yes, this is the gem that's stuck in my head. So those are my two favorites so far. You don't feel any twinge of guilt that you like the Taylor songs that everybody likes. You don't like, because there are the true fans out there that, are, that okay. have like the quote from some deep cut 11th no. track on the album that spoke to them. You know why? Okay. Not to get deep here for a second, but I spent so long actually not liking Taylor Swift for like basically misogynistic reasons. Like I during college was that person. And I'm really curious if any listeners have like gone through this, like seriously DM me on Instagram at Katie's Gertie. I want to hear from you because I don't think I'm the only person. I think there's a lot of people like me who went through the phase where Taylor Swift became a little bit overexposed, but really she was just like at the peak of success as a female artist. And I used to think she was so annoying. I was like, she's so annoying. She's so conceited. She's so proud. Like I hate her pop music, like blah, blah, blah. And I spent a long time, like, not really liking her the way that I used to for really, like, superficial reasons. When the reality was she was just, like, a really successful and talented musician. And I just was, like, annoyed by her. Uh, there's, like, more to it. But that, you know, why the, and, like, the psychology behind why that was happening. Obviously, the media had a really, really large part to play. So I have since sort of reconciled with that. And now, like, I don't care. I like the... I like the song that's the most popular song and I don't care. And I'm not, I'm not going to like be ashamed for that. I am basic and I like Taylor Swift and she is talented <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> and I'm going like, to own it. I feel like the football fans version of this is many football fans attitudes toward Tom Brady. Yeah. Where, <laughs> right. Like, where, where he, where, when he started to win a bunch of Super Bowls, like, Oh man, he's just, Oh God, he's just, overrated blah, blah, blah. yeah and then yeah. when he won like six or seven we were just like all right respect he's been good <laughs> enough for long enough that like we can like him without being like the basic mm -hmm. b of football fans yeah it's like when someone starts to get a little too good you're like oh we gotta tear them down for a second and then but then they start to prove that they they really are that good because they just are that freaking yeah. good and then you're like okay yeah I, and I take back what I said. What's wild is that Taylor has had three or four cycles of that in her career. Mm -hmm. Three or four times where like everybody loves her. We have to tear her down. Everybody loves her. We have to tear her down. Yeah. And she's what? 32? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, it's, I think she was on She's had like Jimmy four Fallon. music career arcs in, you know. Before, Literally. You know, yeah. I remember seeing her in Terminal 5 of JFK in New York, the airport uh during like the speak now era and she was like still like i mean maybe it was before that maybe it was fearless like she was still kind of up and coming and now look at her and i think she was on jimmy fallon saying how like 32 is like geriatric pop star age <laughs> she's like i'm just glad that they're letting me do it um but i think that she is actually rewriting a lot of those norms and like she still feels so young she still feels like fresh um 
I do think that she has been repeating a lot of musical themes in this last album, which I'm like, have a lot of thoughts about. So I'm like, I don't know if I like it, but then also I don't know if I hate it. I have opinions about that. But um, I feel like with like folklore evermore, like she's just been able to reinvent her sound and still stay like on the pulse of what is happening and also what she wants to put out that, I don't know, I feel like she'll, she'll last forever. You know, some musicians, they have one or two good albums and then it's just like, ah, it's not like the old stuff, but she just keeps going and going and going. The evolution is wild. I mean, listen to Evermore or, or listen to some of the tracks on Midnight's and then listen to Teardrops on My Guitar. I know. <laughs> and that's crazy. the same songwriter. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Daniel Naruto writes in that uh, their favorite tracks on the album, Antihero, Mastermind, and Glitch. So a little bit overlap yeah. with you, Katie Zakari. Mastermind is good. I like Mastermind too. Yeah. Solid. All right. Um, anybody else who wants to just shower Taylor Swift with praise in the comments, that is always welcome here. As as you all know, <laughs> this is a pro Taylor environment. We are fans of her, not just as a creator, but uh, as for what she's done in the music industry. There's a lot to celebrate about her as being an advocate for indie creators, as being somebody who speaks for the value of artists owning their own stuff. And you know we love that stuff here at Break the Business. Speaking of content, Katie, I feel remiss if I did not bring up something that we were discussing last week on the show. And as we were discussing it, I was thinking in my head, oh gosh, we should really have had Katie in on this discussion because this <laughs> plays to her wheelhouse. We were talking about an article last week where the writer was saying why it's important and how artists can be more efficient with their content creation, particularly if you're a TikTok creator, by using pretty simple strategies to plan and promote your content in advance. Like, for example, mm -hmm. if you are one of these TikTok influencers that's doing three or four videos or seven videos a week, you yeah. should record all your videos in a single day rather than spread them out so that you're not constantly setting up and taking stuff down. You can just stay in the creative mode for an extended period and you can create more in less time. The yeah. article also talked about promoting your content in advance, organizing your content using content calendars, grouping your editing sessions so that you're editing multiple pieces of content in one uh, sitting so you're not kind of spreading things out more than you have to. I figure a lot of this speaks to you. Do you, in your experience uh, working with clients in your coaching practice, do you talk mm -hmm. about a lot of this stuff? Yeah, definitely. And I think that a lot of what you guys talked about, like what's in that article is so spot on. And um, a lot of this is what I teach inside of my program, the audience builder, because if you, you can in theory know how to create content and know how to do strategy, but if you don't actually execute on that, <laughs> and post it well it's pointless so how do we stay efficient knowing that like you're doing so many other busy things like you're a busy person and we still gotta get content out one of my favorite hacks is whenever i have an idea i literally open up the tiktok app and i just start recording a draft but like i'll just kind of record it as if it's a voice memo but it's like obviously video and i'll be like I'll just say the idea, like do a video on this and mention this. Or if I'm really like having an idea, which sometimes this is how it comes out, I will literally just start talking as if I was making the video, but I'm obviously not because I'm not like dressed and ready to go. Sometimes I'm like laying in bed, like if you wanna, if you wanna girl on TikTok, you need to do this. And so I'll just speak <laughs> the idea. And then one day or a couple days a week, I will get, save it as a draft by the way. 
Save it as a draft and then go back. That's, that's critical. So your, your crazy Post ramblings aren't posted. <laughs> Although I feel like some of those might get engagement, like Katie just lying in bed, just randomly saying, I'm going to, we got to do a video about uh, editing your content in advance. And here's how you promote it. Wait, do you want to know something? One time I did post a draft and it, <laughs> and it actually got me out of like a little bit of a rut. I should see if I can find the video, but um, this was actually very funny. So I did exactly what I said, but I had my phone down and like the front camera was recording and I was just like moving my hand as I was talking. So the video, the draft was just like my hand moving. And I, one day I was like kind of behind and I just like, I just thought that the way I articulated my point in the draft was like so spot on. I was like, yes, I can record this face to camera, but I really liked what I said and how I said it. So I just uh, posted it. And I think I added a caption that was like, you know, like POV, like you're listening in on a client call or like something like that. Um, and it got like, thousands of views there you go um and it didn't i don't think it went like viral viral but it you know it got like a lot more views than i had been getting after a little bit of rut and it was so funny but anyway back to the moral of the story normally you want to save those as a draft and then go in on a content creation day and basically just be like okay here are all of my ideas they're right here i'm just gonna like open the video re-say what I said, but looking, you know, in front of my backdrop or like with makeup on or with good lighting or whatever it is. And then, uh, usually what I do then is save that as a draft. And so I'll like record everything, save it as a draft. And then later that day, or depending on workflow another day, go in and like trim the clips, add captions, add a little title, and then put it in the drafts again. So it's like 100% ready to go. But yeah, that's like my workflow hack that I usually use. And that's a great approach for the TikTokers out there who really just keep everything in their app, right? There's a lot of these TikTok creators, these Gen Zers who just live in that app. They don't want to yeah. have a separate Excel spreadsheet or a separate content calendar. They just do everything in the app. And so for the people who want to keep kind of that internal experience, I think that is a nice little hack to plan yeah. your content out. And I'll be honest with you, like I am spreadsheet girly. Like I love a good spreadsheet. I loved when I'm looking at like my master plan of like, when's the launch happening? Or like, for instance, when is a release happening? What's the focus of this week? Like yada, yada. And you're also planning out multiple platforms like email list, Instagram, maybe you have a podcast or YouTube and like you want to coordinate all of those. I feel like having a spreadsheet, I, I literally, it, again, in audience builder, like give my clients a spreadsheet that I use as well for that kind of stuff. But TikTok is the one app that I feel like it moves so fast. And sometimes I'm posting, there are periods where I'm posting multiple videos a day that I actually am not planning as much in advance. Cause like I might hop on a trend or I might just kind of like go with what the mood of the video, the mood of the day is, or maybe somebody asked a, a question in one of my other videos. And so I'm just going to respond to that and like, capitalize on that, you know, video movement. So I'm going to prioritize that. So TikTok is like the one platform where I don't think a spreadsheet necessarily serves you as much as just like capturing the ideas in the moment. And by the way, also I do this with trends too. So if I see a trending audio, I will click on the sound. 
I will record a draft of that sound and save it as a draft. So that's also what I'm going back to. So it's sometimes it's original ideas that I'm just capturing in the moment. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to do this trend. Let me save the audio of the trend as a draft. Open up the camera when I'm ready to film. And then I just do it. So yeah, I in like the moment that. I think works. <laughs> I like that a lot. And while you may be right that spreadsheets probably don't have a place in that approach, we need to get you using spreadsheets in other places because we need to make hashtag spreadsheet girly trend. <laughs> There's something there. I think I think that is like the new girl boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. The are girl bosses girly? and the spreadsheet girlies are... <laughs> Hanging out together, taking over corporate America. <laughs> for for any of my astrology girlies, just like and you might you might also be Taylor Swift girlies. There's a there's a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram. It's a I think it's a the circle. Venn diagram is a circle. <laughs> but uh, just like that tweet was talking about, right? Asking for the birth time. That is astrology girlies. Um, but I am a Virgo rising, and so. If you know, you know. If you're an astrology gir girly, you get it. That is where my love for spreadsheets comes in, I think. But yeah, just tying it all together in our Venn diagram circle of Taylor Swift and astrology and spreadsheets. I adore it. I feel <laughs> like we are doing the audience a disservice, though, on Halloween that we have not shown the best Halloween costume. I think of the three of us, Katie, yep. is producer Lauren's Halloween costume. Lauren, can you pop in and... Show everybody. Can you buzz in? Can you... <laughs> I can't move. I'm stuck. <laughs> I mean, the commitment. So she she's the fly for the uh, radio audience, but she also has a spider web behind her. So she's fully committing to being a full on fly. Now, in all fairness, I've had the same spider web behind me all of October. So our, our viewers that aren't necessarily listening, I've had a spider web. I was going to go spider and then I thought I should just kind of get stuck. And can we confirm, is that indeed a bra on your head as the fly <laughs> eyes? Um, it is a stick-on wireless bra, like strapless bra. You know, the ones that, like, you might no, not I know don't this. Know. They have, <laughs> you like, know, Ryan. They you have, know, Ryan. like, <laughs> adhesive inside so you can, like, stick them on. Um, yeah. And then wear backless dresses and stuff without them, like, um, this one had not been used. So like, it actually still has like all the sticky on it. Like, is the that the color the that the bra normally comes in that, oh, no, that this is like a high fancy, octane silver. This is a fancy material called, um, aluminum foil. There we go. This is okay. actually aluminum. Reynolds. Wrap. Aluminium. <laughs> and, uh, this mesh is, um, a wig cap for those of you who wear a lot of costume wigs. There's the solid ones and then the ones you can like pin stuff into. So those are on top. Nice. And then there's, um, these are just pipe cleaners. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. The, the viewers don't understand this sometimes, but like you only see my head. So we're all like, let's wear a costume. I'm like, great, you, you can't see any of them. Yeah, it is incumbent upon us to have a lot of head features or at least uh, chest up features in our costumes because you're only seeing the top half of us on this podcast. Which allows me to actually be not wearing like any Star Trek pants. I'm wearing just basketball shorts underneath because I'm I away with that. I also have pants on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm in a full bug costume. You just can't see it. <laughs> that I believe. I, I fully yeah, believe I you would fully too. commit. 
Even though the camera's only shooting you from the shoulders up. I did I did have, you know, the full costume storage at my warehouse where we do like events and stuff. I sat there going like, none of these things work from the head up. So what is what does the theater person do who has a full costume prop storage? I, I took a bra and I put aluminum foil on top of it and called it a costume. <laughs> you crushed it. You crushed it. <laughs> very, very, very oh. proud. Very, very impressed for the and so staying in the Halloween theme for those of you who are listening in during the stream starting soon sequence, you might have heard a song you haven't heard from us before. Uh, it was very spooky Halloween theme. That song was called Overture by the Invisible Czars. It comes or Invincible Czars, I should say. It comes from the new score that they created for the Nosferatu film the that they are going to be playing in art house cinemas across the country this Halloween season. The, the Invincible Czars donated that track for us to play. We're also going to play it at the end of the show once we uh, finish up with our interview with Evan Bogart later. Lauren, can we make a note to make sure that our Invincible Czars track makes it into the outro? Because obviously we want to get them some radio play. It's a cool track and it definitely will put us in the Halloween mood. I want to take a break because I want to get our guest in uh, as soon as possible. Let's go to commercial and we'll come back with our guest Evan Bogart here on Break the Business. Don't go anywhere. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. I have one more Taylor Swift tweet that I forgot. This is a this is for our friends across the pond at Harrison J. Brock writes. Liz Truss quit now so that she can spend tomorrow streaming Midnights by Taylor Swift without distraction. <laughs> I did see that. And <laughs> I was like, this is how I found out that Liz Truss quit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. You can check us out on podcasting platforms, major streaming platforms, and on SiriusXM 145. Much love to Slam Radio for giving us a satellite radio home. 
Our guest this week is a Grammy award-winning songwriter who has co-written hit songs like Halo by Beyonce and SOS by Rihanna. His latest project is the spooky album Scream Warriors, released by the Halloween-obsessed music team Lovecraft, for which he is a founding member and goes by the name Little Pumpkin. You can find out more about Scream Warriors and Lovecraft by visiting lovecraft.net. That's L-V-C-R-F-T dot net. We are happy to welcome Evan Kid Bogart on to Break the Business. Hello, Evan. Whoa, what a costume. <laughs> I, felt, I, felt, I got I so felt excited. Like, I felt like I was the only one not wearing a costume, so I grabbed my pumpkin head and I put it on so I felt like I could fit in. But I, it's really hot and you can <laughs> my voice. It's not really good for this. So I mean, I'll just stick him over here for now, and he can just he can just hang out. See, it's terrible for radio I and podcast. Whoa! <laughs> if I had the cow, I would have done the cow for sure. But it was the microphone problem. Yeah, the microphone. It's the same thing with the pumpkin. <laughs> I have. I, I'm wearing. I'm wearing some merch though, and I got I have my like funny <gasps> and little pumpkin. Look. So they came and see, I'm sorry, when Little Pumpkin popped on, it made me so happy. He was yeah. backstage. You guys can't see this, but we're like, oh, Little Pumpkin's coming on next. And all of a sudden, I watched this pumpkin come on, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can all agree that if you kept that pumpkin head on, it would be pretty terrible for the radio and podcasting audience. Yeah. But yeah. they're only 98.5% of the people or probably more of the people <laughs> who check out this program, but nuts to them. We like the pumpkin head. Yeah. It did look amazing. It, it just, honestly, after a while, I might've passed out under there <laughs> um, and, uh, and then the muffled voice. So I decided to ditch it, but I, you know, I just wanted to show you guys. I was already in the, I was in the mood for all this. So. Much appreciated. Thank you for playing along with us yeah. and getting into the Halloween. Also, you, have the, you, have the full, you have the full background going on. Like your, your, your back is, is like the USS enterprise, right? Like, oh, yeah. I'm actually on the uh, starship right now. This is oh, the green amazing. screen. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And then also, Katie, like, is the sign crazy behind you because of Britney, or that just always there? Of course. Ooh. <laughs> great question. It's uh this is in my EP cover, so it's not having to do with that. And um I, I, thought, realized, I thought it was like, part of your Britney outfit. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you said that because I realized as we were nearing the end of the last segment that I was the only one without a virtual background. And I was like, oh, I'm missing an opportunity here. So you know what? At least my current background kind of fits the vibe. <laughs> right. She didn't even need a virtual background. I didn't even need one. I live Brittany. <laughs> I, I was I was kind of hoping that at, like in the middle of the interview, you would pull off your, your hair and you'd have a, a bald skull, skull cap on and like an umbrella. Like you all of a sudden you, you transform Britney's in the middle of the interview. <laughs> Each time we came back from a break, she'd be a different Britney. Yeah, yeah I have like a so snake, like so a, a live snake next like time. Layers. <laughs> You're wearing layers of different Britneys all the same yes. time. I'm so going to keep that in mind for this weekend. I'm just yeah. going to go as every Britney. Speaking of female pop artists that have had like 10 career arcs before the age of 40, like yeah, Britney Spears sure. is definitely in that class. I, That's what. What's the well, first I've arc? Worked, I've worked like Mickey Mouse? Two of them, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then there's that. Uh, well, Evan, we forgive you for not having your Halloween costume on your head during this interview because you live Halloween pretty much the whole season. All right. You are you are a member of this uh, Halloween music team, Lovecraft, with a couple other songwriters. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about just sort of the the ethos of you guys. So. Right. You and your team have written some of the biggest hits in pop music. You guys, you know, your members have written songs like Halo and Levitating, Teenage Dream, SOS. So 
Why yeah. Halloween music? Why? Yeah. Why? Everybody. By the way, when we the Why first album we did it, the first album, every all of our teams were like, "Huh? What? <laughs> what? You're gonna do what?" We're like, "We're making a Halloween album." They're like, "You're doing." I, I, they, no one could understand, but um, you know, looks look. The songwriting community is vast, but it's small. We all kind of know each other, and I think after a while, you start to really gravitate towards people that you like to have fun with, that you like to write with, and there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of uh, shared interests and I have many intersections of shared interests with different songwriting groups in part of the community. And one of which, some of my best friends, we all, our shared interest is everything horror, spooky, Halloween, haunted, freaky, creepy, whatever. And we would always go to all the horror movies together and all like the different like uh, Halloween mazes, haunted mazes and immersive theater. And, um, one day, true story, I was in a uh, castle in Denmark uh, at, at a spooky night in September writing a song. And one of those uh, spooky freak friends of mine and I were writing a song with some Danish producers. And we said, we're going to write a Halloween song in this spooky castle on the coast of Denmark, as you do in a spooky castle on the coast of Denmark. <laughs> and, they, and of course, they're Danish. So they were like super like what <laughs> right like even more so than our team and um and then everybody was at this camp this writing camp was obsessed with it so i like picked up the phone and i called mndr who's one of the founding members of lovecraft with me and she she came up under mark ronson she wrote his first single bang 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 and like she's you know worked with a million people uh i called her and i, I felt like i was like uh chuck berry's brother in back to the future and i was like chuck chuck you know that sound you've been looking for? Like, Listen to this. You know, and she's like, what? I'm like, it's a Halloween song. It's a Halloween song. Like, we have to write Halloween songs. And so because we love Halloween music and we grew up on the same Halloween music, um, you know, since we're kids, maybe think about it, right? Like we've been listening to the same Halloween songs for 40 years, right? The songs that get appropriated for Halloween, like thrillers and the somebody's watching me and, and um, and uh, Ghostbusters and Monster you know, Mash, like, still in heavy rotation. Well, Monster Mash is 70 years old. Like now you're going way back, right? But like 40 years for like Warren Zevon and Oingo Boingo and the specials and, and all of these amazing songs are 40 years old. So we felt like as songwriters, professional songwriters, it was our responsibility, I call it, that we have to write the next soundtrack for the next generation of Halloween music fans. And so that next year in March of 2019, of course, because that's when you write Halloween music, in March, we decided to write an album of original Halloween music with everyone in our crew, everyone around us thinking we're nuts. And, um, and, uh, and then we put it out in October and people loved it. And so we just kept doing it. I'm, it. I'm surprised that, because when, when, you, when you explain it like that, I don't know why more artists don't do this, right? Like I don't either. Christmas, we get flooded with new Christmas songs I, every year, and Halloween is a blank slate, which you're the beneficiary of because like when when you and your team are the only one putting out these songs, it yeah. means that when like new Halloween movies come out, like the new Hocus Pocus movie, you're the one who gets your songs placed in it because you're the only one making this kind of music. Why hasn't the rest of the industry figured this out? I you know actually since. You know, they always say like during times of crisis, the horror world thrives, you know, like there's only, you can look back at like when the greatest horror movies were ever made. And um, it's always been during these moments in the world where, where there's been like a, you know, like a recession or so, some war or something that's going on. And 
largely the horror world, right? The horror movie world, the horror TV and movie franchises are blowing up right now. Like they're coming out of the pandemic, like on fire. But I think music is too. We started right before having no idea, obviously there was gonna be this global pandemic and all the other unrest and everything that's gone on. Um, but I think the trend of horror and everything spooky is, is, is taking off. And I think there are a lot more this year. I've seen a lot more artists putting out Halloween songs this year than any year ever that I've been a songwriter. Um, and, um, I'm glad that we were there early, you know, to, to do it. Cause this is our fourth album and, and, uh, you know, a song like the one that's in Hocus Pocus too, Skeleton Sam, uh, was on our first album in 2019. And then, you know, much like great Halloween music is, is, uh, played every year. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's happening, man. I think 10 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, remember when there was only 10 of us, there's going to be like. <laughs> I think, I think Halloween's going to take over Christmas. And honestly, I, I can't, people ask me for Christmas music all the time for their artists. And I'm like, I can't do it. Mm. I can't write pop Christmas songs. I'm a Halloween man. It, well, not even that. It just doesn't feel right to me. Like I love traditional Christmas music, right? Mm. Like I listen to like Perry Como and Irving Berlin and Andy Williams and like all, all of these great like standards. I don't want to hear like, I don't want to hear like the pentatonic singing white Christmas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not like that's not like jam. You know what I mean? I want to hear like the drifters singing white Christmas from Home Alone. You know? Does your approach to songwriting change when yeah. you are writing a Halloween song versus when you're writing a song like Halo? I imagine it does, but I, I you know, be curious to get your perspective on that. Um. Well, my approach to writing, my personal approach, like to writing any song doesn't change. I bring me to the session, right? So I, I bring what I do really great. I've learned to like always bring myself and always be authentic and in the moment. But I think that when you're writing for Halloween, you have a very specific brief, right? <laughs> um, and there's a lot less like what I like to call dart throwing, <laughs> right? Um, in the in when you're trying to get on like a Britney Spears album, you're she doesn't write at all, right? And so you're writing songs that you think her 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 team's gonna like enough to play for her, maybe, and then her producers, and and so it's a little bit of like guessing and getting direction from people. Um, whereas Halloween, in this case specifically, we're the artist and the label, and we're also the Halloween aficionados. So no one's gonna tell us better what works for Halloween music. Uh, we're gonna write what we think works, and that's what we're gonna put out. <laughs> and it seems to be working. <laughs> yep. I yeah. love it. I'm a Halloween person. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah, we're really excited about it. I mean, we always say we write, we write song, you know, we write hit songs by day and songs for the dead by night. You know. Ah. I like what is it. the coolest thing that you've gotten to do with your colleagues in Lovecraft? Like, what was the the one placement you got or the one concert you got to play where you're like, I can't believe me and my Halloween friends are doing this right now. Um. There's been, I think there's been a, I think there's a, probably a three-way tie. Um, I'll give it to you. So one is obviously most recently we are song Skeleton Sam's and Hocus Pocus 2. That's pretty much the holy grail of getting anything in any TV show or film ever. Um, we've known about Hocus Pocus 2 for years. And the fact when they called us and said, we want to use Skeleton Sam, I literally, I think I cried. Like I fell out of my chair. I was like, the other, the other thing was uh, last year we had a spooky partnership with Spirit Halloween where we curated music for their stores and they, they basically gave us one of their stores to shoot a music video, <laughs> which was really fun and cool. So we basically took over one of their stores and like 
had full like Ariana's choreographers and like full dancers wearing like skeleton. You should look it up. It's a song called yeah. Every Night that we wrote with um, uh, part of our collective, Sarah Hudson. Uh, wrote it. She wrote uh, "Levitating" for Dua Lipa and "Physical" and some other things, and and um, it's pretty amazing. And uh, and then the probably the third tie is this year we were asked to curate for an event in Long Beach at the Queen Mary here in, in Long Beach, California. That um, that is a, was a partnership with Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Um, called it's the I'm, I apologize up front for the name. It's called Shacktoberfest. Um, <laughs> Which is a little, it feels a little campy and corny, but the, but the, uh, but the event is so much fun. It's like this carnival and we literally planned the, the entertainment for the whole thing. So from the moment it opens to the moment it closes is like this total curation of like videos and DJ performances. And we have our skeleton, Sam person, our mascot dancing with the crowd and on tables. And like, it's, it's been really fun to kind of put on this live experience. Um, so I think those three things probably. That's the, awesome. all of, all all awesome. of those sound equally amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the things that I that I that I like the most about your story, Evan, isn't just the fact that you are making Halloween music, which clearly is making your eyes light up when you talk about it. And that that's cool to see just as somebody who's talking to you. But I also like your story because it is an example of something that I love to see, which is a long running fruitful relationship between of a of a songwriting team a group of songwriters making great music together over an extended period and continuing that relationship and watching it thrive and i want to see more of that because i think the yeah. more songwriting teams write together the better stuff they create over time but it's also hard to manage those relationships and keep anybody keep everybody happy for for the songwriters out there, do you have any advice on navigating the relationships between a team of songwriters so that everybody feels I'm, like they're in a good I'm, place? I'm so happy you asked that, and I'm so happy you said that. Like I say to my, so I have songwriters that I mentor that have that are signed to me. You know, that developing writers that are signed to me, and some that have gone off to be pretty successful themselves. Um, and then I also do a ton of work with the Recording Academy with the Grammys, and I mentor a lot of songwriters through that in a more in a more volunteer way. Um, and I tell all of them that it's not talent that writes hits, it's, it's chemistry. It's the energy that writes hits. You can be the most talented person in the room, but if you're a terrible collaborator, it's not gonna happen. It's what you bring to the room, it's the, it's the fun, the vibe, the energy, the respect. It, the best collaborators are the people who go into a session thinking of how I can bring the best out of my collaborator. And the other collaborators are thinking how they can bring the best out of you. How can they bring the best Evan Bogart out of Evan Bogart? And I'm thinking, how can I bring the best M&DR out of M&DR or Bonnie McKee or Sarah or whoever? And it's that chemistry that you build over time that writes hits, right? A lot of the greatest coll collaborators that have stood the test of time, they didn't start off with a hit. They built that chemistry. They wrote a bunch of terrible songs for a long time, usually, <laughs> Um, with some okay ones sprinkled out and they learned each other. They, they became close. They understood what makes each other great and they understood how to bring the greatness out of each other and how to inspire each other. And so I always tell people chemistry, chemistry writes hits. You got to curate that. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to work on that and you got to keep going in. And even if the first 10 sessions you do with somebody is like, yeah, that was okay, but I really love working with him or her. You keep doing it until that hit comes.
You so know, how do you build that chemistry? I mean, is that, is it literally just like you guys are yeah. friends and you hang out together? Like you're playing All of it, yeah. poker and yeah. well, you got chemistry starts when you actually like the person. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, yeah. So, so it's funny. It's, there's like, a, I always say there's like a, um, and you know, who's great at, 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 at things like this is Max, by the way, you guys were talking about Max Martin earlier, but he's got a lot of things like this. I say, I say, I have my own, like, saying, we were saying nothing but nice things about Max. For the <laughs> Max is incredible. Max is incredible. Max says things that inspire me is what I'm saying. But like, <laughs> like, um, but like, you know, the, the chemistry arc is you meet somebody, you're like, oh, I really like them. I'm going to start writing songs with them. The songs aren't that good, but I really like them. I start hanging out with them. We start writing better songs. The chemistry gets really good. Oh my God, we wrote a hit. Everybody's coming to us thinking that we know something that no one else knows. And so now everybody's asking us to write hits, write hits, write hits, write hits, write hits. Now, unfortunately, what happens after that is a lot of the time, hopefully they stay together. And why some songwriting teams don't stay together is they people start saying, oh, well, I have to have a hit without that person because people think I'm only good with that person. <laughs> So they hit this peak and then they start to come down where they're like, well, now I have to go do something else with somebody else. And they try to, they think, oh, well, if I don't do that, I, I haven't proven myself as a writer because they, they think that my chemistry is the only reason. And it's like so stupid. Just keep writing with the person you're writing with, that you love writing with, that's your friend. And, and so many people break up because of it. And then sometimes they'll come back together and write together, even though they hate each other which you see a lot in history of great music. I can't quit you. Right, That's no, they do. They're like, they'll come in the studio, they'll just write together, they'll write a hit, and then they'll leave and not talk to each other. They just hate each other. Right? It's so funny. It's so funny you say that, though, because like we were talking about Taylor Swift's album earlier, and her and Jack Antonoff have been writing together for so long, and they just keep coming back and doing it yeah. again. And I think that's another example of them being like, okay, I guess people could say, you know, they can't do without each other, but they're like, we could also just do it together because we're best friends and we make really good music. So we're gonna keep right. doing it. Right, and sometimes artists feel like they need to go and explore and do something different, right? I mean, if you, you were talking about Taylor's um, evolution, you know, her, early on she was writing with Liz Rose where she wrote all those early country songs that were hits. And then when she came out with Matt, that first song, those first songs of Matt, people were like, what? Taylor's lost her mind. Like everybody thought like, oh my God, she's not country anymore. She's completely sold out. And, and then everybody, of course, like six months later realized they were geniuses. We were all idiots and they were like. <laughs> I wish I could follow her example with everything. Like there's so many instances in the music yeah. industry where you're like, well, everybody thought that this and I would never have done this. And then yeah. she's like, yeah, well, I am. Let me and then we you, all go, okay. And let me tell you something about Taylor, which is also something that you probably, maybe you maybe you know or you maybe you don't know, but. I know from friends of mine who have written with her a lot um, that she comes into a session with 80% of the song written. She basically uses expert writers and producers to help her like take it over the edge, really just take it from like a nine to an 11. Uh -huh. But when she walks in the room, she's so prolific on her own that she's like, check this out and plays the song. And it's like, Whoa, that's a hit. Let me, let me help you make it even more of a hit. Right. And and uh, oftentimes she's she's written almost the entire song. She is incredibly prolific as a songwriter. Well, that sounds awesome. like a much different approach than what you were talking about with you and your colleagues in Lovecraft. Like, you know. Well, we're not, I mean, we are the artist and the songwriter. So it's mm -hmm. just different, right? Like obviously Britney, we write, you know, if it's Britney, we're writing for Britney. If it's Rihanna, we're writing for Rihanna. And 
in most cases, Beyonce will take a song that people have written and then tweak it. But um, but for Lovecraft, you know, we're, we're the artists this way, in, in this time around. So we write songs for ourselves, basically, just like the same way Taylor does. Do you find it's easier to write for yourselves or is it easier to write for others because you're not as close to it? Never, never easier to write for yourself. I can, and, and that's coming from somebody who is a, at one point many years ago, an aspiring artist who didn't get a record deal, <laughs> <laughs> um, but who has many times demoed a song where, where labels have been like, that guy's amazing. We should sign him. And then they're like, it's Evan Bogart. And they're like, oh, never mind. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> Right. But now it's you're right. the king of Halloween. That's so right. You will come back to haunt them. That's literally. right. The king of Halloween. Yep. Yeah. No. He, he held all that anger in, and now it's like coming out as monsters and creepy sounds. It's like <laughs> he, he has that source material. Yeah. Like your answer seems so counterintuitive to me because if I were a songwriter, I oh. couldn't think of anything more horrifying than writing something and like trembling while handing it to Beyonce. <laughs> did, did, did you like this one? Queen of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think that, I think in all creative work, right. And I'm sure, and I'm sure, I mean, Katie, you probably obviously know this working with creative people. Like I think in all creative work, like rejection is something that's part of the game. So there's two things you learn to one, be very resilient, very thick skinned and keep it moving. And two, you kind of start just to assume that it's going to be no. (laughs) (laughs) The starting position is no. And if it's a, you're like, oh, yes, it's a pleasant surprise. Everything's a pleasant (laughs) surprise, right? You're like, no, it's like, yeah, I figured it'd be no. But, But if it's a yes, it's even more exciting, right? So I think that like when you send a song off for Beyonce, you're like, man, I think Beyonce would kill this. She's probably not going to cut it, but, you know, I hope they listen to it. And then when you get an email or a phone call that like, they love it, you're like, what? And then even then you're like, yeah, but they're probably not going to use it still. Okay, you still kind of like put yourself in like a position of, I hope I don't get let down. <laughs> I, I call it pessimistic optimism. Yeah. Like uh-huh. If you always look at the worst yeah. case scenario, yeah. it can only get better. And that way you're putting yourself in a position to enjoy everything you get. Exactly. Yeah, and also, and also as uh, no matter how big you get as a creator, I think you're always wrestling with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Always. You're always that, like, they're going to find me out. I'm terrible. <laughs> that is, I mean, let's, let's not just gloss over what was just mentioned there. Cause I think there are a lot of songwriters out there or just creatives in general who feel that. And they have to feel like, wow, if Grammy award winning songwriter, Evan Bogart, who co-wrote Halo and SOS and worked with works with the biggest names in music has imposter syndrome then that's an okay feeling to have. It doesn't mean that I'm less than. It is a totally okay feeling to have. And it's not even just me who feels that way. I think people way bigger than me, way more successful than me feel that way all all the time. I think it's something that you just wrestle with um, because, you know, you're, you're making, you're making really important decisions and you're, and you're trying to trust your gut and you're hoping that you're right. And you're, and you're listening to your intuition and the voice inside of you. And, and it, all that stuff is scary. All that stuff is scary. You know, is, is the voice right? Like, do you know, you know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, you think about like songwriter trajectories, you think about Pharrell, right? Like he was such a, him and the Neptunes were so big for so long. And then there was almost a decade he couldn't get arrested. And then, and then happy happened. And now he's Pharrell again. Right. Like what was 
I want to know. I want to. I wish someone would like do, do, have documented like what was Pharrell like during those eight years because I think that's important to look at someone as prolific as Pharrell and as brilliant and genius as he is and wonder what was what was going through his mind those that almost that almost that whole decade, right? Like when he was trying to get, he was doing stuff and people just weren't feeling it, you know. And that's Pharrell, guy coming off of huge hits with Jay Z and Missy and all these people, and then silence for like ever. Right. And then Matt, Max has had lulls too, you know? Not Max Martin. Not, 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 not like long lulls, but little lulls. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the time that I've interviewed you, he just wrote three yeah, top lull. 10 hits. You know, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And our and, guest uh, is, yeah. Our guest is Grammy award winning songwriter, Evan Bogart, AKA little pumpkin of the Halloween obsessed music team. Lovecraft. You can check out their album scream warriors and find out more about Lovecraft by visiting lovecraft.net that's l-v-c-r-f-t.net evan this has been a treat i am now going to be more obsessed with halloween music after having spoke with you and we've really appreciated your perspective on a wide range of subjects before we let you go though we got one last question okay do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward um yeah i think i think two things one is um first don't be afraid to put yourself out there i think figuring out early on especially if you're an up-and-coming creator who 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 your fans are who you're speaking to what you do great is really important you know and um and don't be afraid and this is you're talking about something that sounds completely counterintuitive (laughs) don't be afraid to say no and not do things that you think you're not great at Right. Like I know that there's like a tendency and I did it, but I learned later on it wasn't necessarily the right thing. Like there's a tendency to just say yes to everything because you're so desperate and hungry and you want to get on. But what what ha- what starts to happen is you become you become you say yes to everything. Then you're not then you're not really something. Right. You should you should really think to yourself, like, I love this type of music. I love creating this type of thing. I, this is who I am. This is my creations are an extension of me. And I want people to know that. And, and if I create that brand, if I create a brand of myself as a creative, I'm going to train the universe to bring me things that I really enjoy and that I really connect with. And when I get those things, I'm going to kill it. Because, it's, because when you connect with things and you enjoy it, that's when you give your best. And so I think there's a lot of time that's spent. People learn this. It's fine. It's a, it's a lesson most people will just learn and not listen to me right now. <laughs> but, um, but, but a lot of time is spent kind of running around in circles, wasting time, trying to, trying to like find a leg up and find a road in as opposed to just being like, this is what I'm really great at. These are the people I should be collaborating with that I really connect with and I love. And I'm just going to do that. And I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to build that brand. I'm going to build that chemistry with these people. I'm going to build my brand and tell people I am great at this. Bring me these projects. And I, I guarantee you will happen quicker. And you'll honestly, in the world of rejection, you'll actually enjoy yourself being while, while that's happening. Because if you're miserable while you're being rejected, I don't know what kind of job that is. Evan, it has been a blast talking with you. Here's what I would like to propose. Sure. Next Halloween, when you're making your rounds, promoting your yeah. Lovecraft projects, come on back. We would love to yeah. chat with you again. Yeah. I can't wait for you guys to hear the next one. We already started working on it now. Of course. Of course you are. All right. Thanks very much, Evan. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me on. 
All right. That was pretty cool. Not going to lie. That was a, that was a fun interview. Um, what a cool dude really enjoyed his perspective. What do you guys think, Katie? I'm obsessed. Personally, I really wanted to ask you or request that you actually just play the intro music, the music that you played in, at the beginning of this and are going to play at the end the whole year, because I thought it was better than the music <laughs> that we play, even when it's not Halloween. And I was vibing. Yeah. And also so many good tips for songwriters that like, I was just like clipping moments of that in my head as just like golden nuggets to take with me. That was a window into the songwriting process that I've, I've never heard before. Even like ha even representing songwriters in my legal practice, that was, was some good nuggets there. That yeah. was cool. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I don't, I didn't know he did the spirit Halloween stuff, but I will tell you having frequented a lot of Halloween events, the Horror Nights events this year did not have great Halloween music. They went around and they didn't get you in the mood. And I've had a lot of those. And then I went into Spirit and I went, man, this is what I was looking for. Like, this is good Halloween music. <laughs> and then I saw our guest come out and I was like, wait, that was them? <laughs> like, that's good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very, I'm... Yeah, I'm so happy that he was here, but even more so that we get to keep this spooky mood all Halloween, like we're coming up on it, and I'm excited. Yes. Uh, happy Halloween to all of you, uh, viewers and listeners, and to uh, Katie and Lauren as well. You can follow Katie on Twitter at KT, that's letter K, letter T, Zaccardi. Check out all the great work that she's doing, helping creators out. It's really awesome. Thanks to you, Katie. Thanks to you, Lauren. Our thanks to Evan Bogart for joining us earlier in the show. And thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking us out here on Break the Business. Happy Halloween. And we're going to close by playing Overture by the Invisible Czars. Again, that's from their new score that they created for the Nosferatu film. It's playing in art house cinemas across the country. You can visit www.invinciblezars.com slash Nosferatu to find out more about the project. Enjoy the spooky music. See you all next week. <laughs>